little bit of a treat, maybe, possibly. So we'll see. But uh, we've been praying for Sister Davidson's hand after the breaking of the wrist, and she is going to attempt to play the violin tonight. Yeah, yeah we're thankful for that. Been praying for that. It, you know what? It, a hand might get sore, and she might get a song out or a half a bar. It doesn't matter. We're gonna, we're gonna, be, we're gonna enjoy it. I know that. It's gonna be a blessing. So, yeah, and we'll all go home and pray. Okay. Oh, you're gonna go home and pray. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. So, looking forward to that. Genesis chapter six. It's you know I don't very often. Hardly do I. Just all, not very very seldomly do I look at the world events and come in and go and write a message about the world events, what's going on, and deal with it on, on, on that type of a basis. Once in a while, but not very often. But I'm telling you, as you look out of what's going on uh, the last week or two, it's kind of hard not to uh, uh, watch what's going on and, and know your Bible and go, what on earth is happening here? It's pretty exciting. Uh, for, for some of us, for some it's not, but I think it's pretty exciting. And, um, and there's a lot of... Uh, if, if you're at all on the internet, I mean, there's just all sorts of craziness out there all over the place and what this means and what it doesn't mean and what's coming and what's not coming. And uh, I just want to spend a few minutes this morning, that was a lie, I want to spend uh, several minutes this morning uh, looking at this subject this morning of what's kind of what's going on, but more, more in lines of uh, what, it, what are we supposed to be doing in this time? Right, and we're and we're watching the stuff unfold right before our eyes. We're watching Israel, and we're watching the the war going on. We're watching our own country send ships over to the Mediterranean. We're watching uh, Russia uh, warn warn Israel about not being going too far. We're watching the United States warning Israel. We're watching all these nations warn Israel about not going too far. We're watching Zelensky a little bit upset because now nobody knows who he is anymore, and he's probably running out of money. Right. And need some more money. I mean, we're watching all of these things go on. And you know your Bible. You've read your Bible. You're students of the Word of God. And uh, we know that, I'm telling you, at the end times, at the end of it all, uh, essentially, uh, there's going to be a big battle in the Valley of Megiddo. I've looked over the Valley of Megiddo. You, I'm sure, have looked over the valley. Uh, Miss Barbara has been there, I, I know. Uh, Brother, Brother Healy, I don't know if you went up there and, and looked over uh, uh, the Valley of Jezreel. And... Uh, and uh, not Jezreel, of uh, Megiddo, thank you. Jezreel was where Naboth's vineyard looked over. Sorry, I'm... But anyway, you, you looked over that. There was, it's, it was the intersection for the world. I mean, the road came up out of, out of, out of Egypt, and uh, there was an intersection there that was the Silk Road that went into China. I mean, this was a major intersection. And when you look over this valley, it's, it's a beautiful valley. And the, the armies of the world are going to congregate there one of these days very soon. And uh, it's going to be quite a, quite a deal. But I tell you what, we know what's happening, right? Jesus is coming back. And uh, he's going to put all of that under. But we're watching this go and we're watching it take place. And undoubtedly, you know, we think, well, how soon is it? How soon is it? 
If you go back and you think about Daniel chapter 2, when Daniel was, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar had that dream, he had a dream of that image, remember? And uh, that image that, he, uh, that Daniel interpreted for him, the top, the head was, uh, was, was uh, that image, the head was of gold and the shoulders and the breast were silver and the, the belly and the thighs were of, uh, were of copper and then the, and the, and then the, or the, and the, and the legs were of steel and then the feet or iron and the feet were clay and iron mixed. I may have got a little bit of the anatomy mixed up there. But the point is that uh, Daniel was showing Nebuchadnezzar of all of these kingdoms, all of these uh, empires of the world. He said, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head. You're gold, right? But after you, what's coming after him? Well, the Medo-Persian empire of silver, not quite as good as, the, as Nebuchadnezzar's, but it's, it's still pretty strong, right? And pretty good. But then after that one was, was going to come the Grecian empire. And uh, as with Alexander the Great that we know about him, and that was, that, was the, uh, that was the belly and the thighs of brass. And then after him was coming the legs of iron, which was going to be the Roman Empire. And then after that, in the toes, in the feet, right, in the feet of mixed clay and iron, is this last uh, empire that was going to rule until the Lord Jesus comes back. And, and some call it the, the resurrected uh, Roman Empire, and there's different things like that. But the point is this morning that we are living, listen, this, this, this image that, that Nebuchadnezzar saw has literally been fulfilled. We can look back historically and know it has literally been fulfilled. There has been the, the, the Babylonian Empire. There has been the Medo-Persian Empire. There has been the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, and then where we are living today. And be, because of this and a myriad other reasons, we know that all of the prophecies of the Old Testament are literal. Don't ever let anybody give you a reading of, of, Old Test, of, of, of prophecy and spiritualize it away and saying, well, this is figurative and that's figurative and it doesn't really. We're living and we have witnessed the, the literal fulfillment of every prophecy in the Old Testament that has so far been fulfilled. But here's the second thing that really uh, strikes us as we look at that dream that Daniel had is that you and I are living in the toes and the feet. There's nothing coming after this. We are at the end. And we're, I believe, at the end of the end of the end. We're, we're uh, 476, I don't know if that's right, 474, 476 A.D., somewhere where the Roman Empire uh, finally collapsed, you know. And uh, here we are from that time forward, uh, going forward, forward in these last part. We're coming to the end of it. And uh, there's not going to be another world empire after this. What is coming during this period is the rule of the Antichrist. And what is coming after him is when the Lord Jesus comes and puts him down and sets up his throne in, it, in Jerusalem and rules and reigns for a thousand years. Amen. We're looking for that. But watch, we're watching the world set everything. The stage is being set for that day. And we're watching it. It's exciting. I don't know about you, but I think it's very much, it is exciting. And as we watch the end, right, we're watching this, no doubt we have come through our mind and gone through our minds at times going, well, now what? Well, what do we do? How do we live on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, do, do we just, you know, go home and just look up into the skies and wait? I mean, do we just, uh, you know, quit work? And I mean, how many people in, in the, in the, in the uh, Nixon era, 
right? Thought the end was coming and, and people in Bible colleges were suggested to go out and don't worry about savings and don't worry about Social Security and don't worry about this, don't worry. Jesus is coming, you won't have to worry about it. And how many, brother, are living with no money today? Because they thought, well, I'll turn my eyes to the skies. Jesus is coming. And we'll just, and I won't even have to worry about it, right? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I should have worried about it. <laughs> what do we do? I mean, we're getting, I mean, we're obviously closer than, than, you know, 50 years ago, right? But what do we do? I want to look at that this morning out of our text here in Genesis chapter 6. And uh, the title of the message this morning is, we, we are at the end, no doubt. But the question is, who's watching? Who's watching? And we're going to define what that word watching is. And there's more to it even than that. But if you notice here in Genesis chapter 6, this is a really debated passage. We're not here to debate this passage. I went through it about six years ago when we preached through the book of Genesis back in 2017. Uh, beginning in 2017, ending in, it wasn't 2020, but it was, we ended sometime after 2017. There's a lot of chapters there in Genesis, all right? That's a long book. And... Uh, and, and when we went through Genesis chapter 6 several years ago, and uh, this is a debated portion of the scripture. I mean, you've got these daughters of men, you've got these sons of God, you have them coming together and, and they're getting married and then all of a sudden you have giants. And what are the giants and where did they come from and are they literally giants or is it figurative? And you have all sorts of uh, uh, debate about this section of passage. And I don't want to look at that today. We, we did delve into that several years ago and look at that. But one of the main things I want to show you here is the timing where, where, where we are here in world history in Genesis chapter 6. There's definitely two different lines of people right? Sons of God, daughters of men that have yoked up together. Whatever you want to think about what is going on there. I'm not going to look at that today, but here's what we know. Two different groups of people have yoked up together. And as time went on, watch, there was no distinction between these two lines. God said this, they were evil continually. The entire world was wicked. There was nothing of distinction between uh, the sons of God or the, or the, uh, the, 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 the sons of, uh, uh, the daughters of men or the sons of God, there is no distinction left between them. The Bible says that they were wicked continually. Their thoughts were evil continually. Would you look at verse 5? And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So watch this. You start with a distinction of two different lines, right? Whatever you want to define them. Two different lines, and we come to chapter or verse five, and, and God is, defines them all the same way. No distinction. Wicked. Wicked. Thoughts are evil continually. There's nothing good left to say about them. And uh, we, we, we go on here and we see what God decides to do about it. Look at verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And I know what some people will say, probably not in this crowd, but if somebody uh, finds this uh, recording someday and listens to it, and they'll say, wait, what, wait a minute, God repented? I thought God is immutable. I thought God is unchangeable. I thought that he, he, he doesn't change his mind. And here we know what is repentance. Well, it means a change of mind. And we're saying what? God changed his mind? Right. You should thank God that he repents. But he doesn't repent as man repents. Right? God didn't change his mind 
just to change his mind. He didn't change his mind by saying, you know what? I think I'm going to send a Messiah and then say, nope, I'm not. Watch. God's repentance, change of mind, is based not upon his actions, but man's actions. Man was evil continually. And watch. And God changed his mind. Why should you and I be thankful of that? Because you and I are born in sin. And our determined destination is hell. When we are born, we are, we are headed for hell, right? And, uh, and we are on our way there. We, we are sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. We are separate from God. Uh, God is light and there's no darkness in Him. Uh, just as uh, dark cannot dwell with lightness, a sin cannot dwell in front of God. And we know this this morning, this morning that, that there's no way that we could, uh, we could approach a holy God in the condition that we were born in. But what did God do? He provided Jesus Christ. He provided a way. The finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, the shed blood. Now watch this, what happens here. Watch this. When we repent, when we change our mind, when we look at who we are and look who God is and say, I'm wrong and you're right, the moment we repent, thank the Lord, He repents. Why? He changed his mind of the set determination of you and I, which was hell, and he has changed his mind. He's in, he has imputed unto us the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and now our destination is no longer hell, but now it's heaven. I think it's a good thing that God has, uh, repents when we repent, right? I, I'm, I'm happy for that. You can say amen there. It's a very good thing, because if he hadn't, we'd all be on our way to hell. And so notice this, God determined to do, destroy man from off the earth. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And now it sounds pretty terrible, doesn't it? God's going to wipe off the whole planet. God's just going to destroy. I mean, think of this, man, boy, child. You've heard the news reports this week and all of the, uh, the, the people that are up in arms, and the rightly they should be, of, of the people that have been slaughtered this week, the children that have been slaughtered, the people that have been gone into their house and pulled out of their houses and murdered. You, you've heard it all. You know everything that's going on. And I'm telling you, it's, it, is, it is terrible. And when you think, well, God is just going to wipe the planet clean, sounds terrible. It really does. But God's creator, you and I are not. Listen, the one who creates has all of the authority to do what he wills with his creation. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, watch this. This is an act of love. Because if God had not intervened, friend, we would not have a Messiah. And all of those that put their faith and trust before Jesus, they'd have all been lost. We'd all been lost. I mean, this is an act of a love that God does here. He is creator. He, is create, he, he creates life. And only God has the right to take life. And here is what he's doing here right now. He's taking life. And he sets the date here. Look at verse 3. 120 years. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Obviously, we don't have some weird spirit being going on here. He's flesh. Yet his days shall be in 120 years. This does not mean that man can only live to 120. Obviously, Abraham lived to 180. 
Job lived to about 140, all right? What he was saying here from this point on, there's 120 years left for the people that are living on the planet at that time. There's 120 years left that they had before judgment was coming. Yeah. And so it's set. The world is wicked. God has declared it. Judgment is coming. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it. It's set. Yeah. But if you look at verse 8, we're introduced to Noah. Notice what it says of Noah. I like this. But, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I like that. You know, I used to look at that verse years ago. And I just, I just, you know, how, have you ever assume, you don't even think it through. You just read over it and you just have in your mind what that means. And it's almost like you see Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You almost look at it as if that it was God who chose Noah. But notice that's not what it is. The emphasis is on the word found. Noah was looking for God and he found it. This isn't some arbitrary, listen, uh, Calvinist reform sort of God choosing, right? Noah obviously knew of God. He was obviously understood who God was. We, if you ever look at the charts of the overlap of the lives of those from Adam up to Noah, I mean, it's no, un, undoubtedly how information from Adam moved on to the next generations up into the time of Noah. Just so happens Noah found what he was looking for and... Uh, and the Bible says he was perfect in his generation. God said this of him. He was perfect. He was mature. He was complete in his generation. And he walked with God. He, was, he lived a life seeking God and loving God and walking with God, which looked and in, in, in turned out to be, watch, obeying God. Yeah. You know, this is a really good place to kind of clear a little spot and uh, uh, remind us of a great truth that's going on right here. Do you remember what I told you about where society is at this point, where the world is? The entire world is wicked. The entire world is ungodly. The entire world is so bad that God says the only way I can remedy this is to wipe everything off the planet and start over. But Noah, can I remind you this morning, as bad as it was, there was still a man who could choose and decide and love and serve and follow God. And listen, you can look around at our society today, and it's pretty bad, and it's pretty wicked, but it's not quite where, listen, the, the percentages aren't where Noah is. Listen, look, look how many is in this room today. Do you know some scientists have thought, and some, or, I don't know, historians have, have thought that it's possible at the time of Noah, it was, the, the population of the world was close to where we are today. If you look at uh, the lifespan of people and how much time was elapsed, it's very possible. They say there could have been 7 or 8 billion people on the planet. That's astonishing to me. It, even, a, even if there was only a million, one in a million, can you, could you imagine the peer pressure? Could you imagine the societal pressure? Do you know he didn't have a radio station to go turn to, to listen to some preaching? He didn't have a church to go to, to listen to be encouraged in the word of God? He, he didn't have a 24-hour music to be encouraged with the great hymns of the faith? I mean, he had none of that, yet he still served God, and God said he was perfect, and he walked with me. What's your problem? 
You have the indwelling Spirit of God. I have the indwelling Spirit of God. What's your problem? We don't have one. We've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Yeah. You say, well, the world is just so terrible. It's probably not like this. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just remind you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. It might not sound encouraging, but I'm encouraging you this morning. Walk with God. It's possible. Don't let people tell you it's not possible. If Noah can walk in a depraved culture, so can you and so can I. Now notice this verse 13. God, listen, Noah chose God. In verse 13, God chose Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse, look at verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. You talk about worldly. God says, You're so worldly, I'm going to destroy you with the world. Right? No, no, no. We, we reap, you know, you sow, to the, the, you sow to the flesh corruption, you'll reap of the flesh corruption. God is destroying them with the very thing that they've destroyed. And uh, so he chooses Noah, verse 13. He's going to tell him to build an ark. And then in verses 15 through 22, he gives all of the, all of the dimensions and all of the details of, of the ark. We call it Noah's ark. But you know what? I think rightly it probably ought to be called God's ark. <laughs> it was his plan, right? It, it was his design. It was his purpose. Amen. And he chose Noah to carry it out on the human level. So God chose, Noah chose God, God chose Noah, but let me ask the question, why did God choose an ark? Not the structure of an ark, I'm not looking at that. It's a beautiful typology of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that. But why did he choose a way of escape? Well, Genesis 3.15, amen? Right, the seed of the woman. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to bruise, crush his heel, but he's going to, He's, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. It's that big word, you've heard it, the proto-evangelism. Proto-evangelum, it's the first mention of the gospel in the Old Testament. What did God promise his creation? A Messiah was coming. A Messiah was coming. What, what was the purpose of the ark? What was the purpose of the Messiah? Well, the purpose is because sin came into the world, judgment's coming. But because judgment is sure, like in Noah's day, and because the wrath of God is going to fall and the judgment of God is going to fall, in spite of that, God is still busy, right, giving a way of escape. Amen. He's still busy building an ark. And this is what the purpose of the ark is. Because God is a God of grace and mercy. He is a God that's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is a God that has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He is a God who delights in mercy. And because of this, because of this, God is going to build a, an ark. He's going to build a way of escape that whosoever will can come and get into this ark and be saved from the judgment that is coming. Can I remind you that that door of the ark was open until the very day that the drops of rain started? It was open. Whosoever will may come. Right up, in, can I tell you, the gospel is going to go out right and up until the day that it can't go out. It's going to go out, listen, it's even going to go out through the, through the tribulation period. The preaching is still going to continue and it's going to continue right on until the very end and it's done.
when Jesus returns. So watch, God called Noah to a special work because judgment was coming. And Noah completed it. Look at verse 5, chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. He did, he completed the job that he was given to do over in 2 Timothy with the last letters uh, that Brother Paul would read, would, would, would write was over in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You love are you looking forward to the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. There's a crown. There's a crown. But notice what Paul said. I have finished. I have finished my course. I have finished my course. In John 4.34, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And what was one of the sayings of Jesus on the cross when he said, It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Can I tell you, when God gives a job, he wants you to finish it. He wants you to finish it. Noah finished the work that God gave him to do. And listen, he expects, God expects it to be finished. Why? Judgment's coming. Judgment coming. God has provided a way of escape. Whosoever will may come. But there are those of his own that he leaves behind to, quote, build the ark. To build the ark. What was Noah doing when he was building the ark? The Bible says over in 2 Peter that he was a preacher of righteousness. Now did Noah get up and thunder out the word of God? Possibly. Possibly. But I tell you what, that ark was a message in and of itself. Something that they had never seen before. What's this rain? What's this flood? Do you realize it hadn't, you know this, it hadn't rained. The Bible said a mist came up from the ground. They didn't know what rain was. Right? They certainly didn't know what the fountains of the deep are. They're starting to find out. Now scientists are starting to find out. There is so much water below us. Right? They're finding out what? Oh yeah, it is possible to have that much water if the fountains of the deep broke up. To have that much water covering the entire earth. Yeah. He was a preacher of righteousness. Why? Because judgment was coming. Watch this. He preached until... It was, there was no more time to preach anymore. He preached. Yeah. Now, Matthew 24. I want to show you something. Matthew 24. Judgment's coming. I'm not going to spend much time in this passage this morning because we will get here eventually since we're in Matthew on Sunday nights, we will eventually get here and we'll dive into this, Lord willing, a little deeper than this morning. But I want to show you something here in Matthew 24. Matthew 21, we, we saw just a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember the scene that he came in on riding on the, the, uh, the colt of an ass and they put the covering on there and they put Jesus on there and they spread the palm branches out and they followed before him and behind him and so said, Hosanna, Hosanna to, to, Hosanna to God in the highest, right? And they, they were showing that, that whole entry as a king that would come in victorious from war. And here Jesus came into Jerusalem victorious 
victorious, coming to set up a kingdom per se. And they, here Israel absolutely rejected him. And, and, and we see that. And he walked away. And we see the rejection there in Matthew chapter 23. And look at verse 37, just above a few verses, when Jesus came and looked over Jerusalem. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under his wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall see me henceforth, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. When is that? That's after the tribulation. Watch, Jesus, is, listen, he came in as their king. They said no. And Israel has been set aside. He's going to deal with them later. The church is not Israel. The church is not Israel. The time of the Gentiles has to be fulfilled. This is over in Daniel chapter, in Daniel, uh, chapter 6. Oh, I just lost my chapter. Anyway, the 70, week, 70 weeks of Daniel, right? It says those 70 weeks are appointed under Jerusalem. That's, that's Jewish, right? The 70th week, the seven weeks, the tribulation period, or the seven years of tribulation period, those are Jewish. Those are Jewish. They're a part of the 70 weeks of Daniel. And uh, we will not be here for that. Amen. That's a good thing. I know there's a lot of craziness out there. Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 23, he, he was walking away from that. Doesn't mean Jews don't, don't get saved. No, it doesn't mean that. Paul got saved, right? Jews are still getting saved. But on a national level, uh, Israel on a national level uh, was, was, was God's choice, right? For the propagation of him, himself throughout the whole world. And they said no to the Messiah. And so he's gone on. So you see here in chapter 24, Jesus has moved on. And in chapter 24, Jesus has come out of the temple. You could see over, you could go back over, to, uh, back over to Luke 21, and you see the events that were going on. Jesus and his disciples were in the temple, and that's when Jesus turned their attention to the, to the widow giving her might, the widow's might, right? This is the same thing as what's going on here in chapter 24. They have just come out of the temple. And as they're coming out of the temple, the disciples are like, well, look at the buildings and look at the stones and look at the temple and look at this. They were in awe over everything because to the Jew, that was, I mean, that was, uh, that, that was uh, where, where God was. And Jesus told them, not one stone is going to be left upon itself. And he begins to explain that to them in verse 2. And look what he says. And Jesus saith unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And uh, that has happened, <laughs> right? A.D. 70, the temple was destroyed by, by uh, Rome. And uh, it has still gone to this very day. But the Bible goes on to say that the disciples came to him. And we could see over in Mark 13, they came to him privately. In Mark 13, we notice that it was Peter and James and John and Andrew, four of the disciples that came to Jesus there on the Mount of Olives. And they asked him these three questions. Look at verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives is just really to the east of the temple. You can see the eastern wall of, the, of Jerusalem. You go down through this Kidron Valley and you come up into the Mount of of olives, and you're just you're looking right at the the the, the wall there, the eastern wall, and it's just uh, the there right in the city, 
And he said, so they came to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the world? So there's the three questions that the disciples ask Jesus. When shall these things be? What are the signs of the coming, and what sign, or the signs of the end of the world? Now Jesus is going to answer these questions but he's going to answer them in the reverse order that they asked him. He's answering the last question first, the second question that stays in the middle, and the first question at the end. And so I'm not going to get into this today. It's not the point of what I'm getting at today. I'm just setting up this for you to see that Jesus is dealing with his disciples about the end times. We are living, right? We're living in the toes. We're living in the feet. We are living in the end times. We're 2,000 years into this. The end is very, very near. We're watching the world fall into place of the end times. We're watching things come together. And Jesus is discussing in prophecy what we're living in today, but he's discussing what is going to come in the future. Okay? Time is running out. Okay? Everything's going to come to an end. And the time of the Gentiles is going to come to a close. This is what Jesus is dealing with here. Now let's not forget something else though. Before I move on to this. Don't forget. And I already mentioned it once. Jesus is going to reign. Amen. He is going to. Amen. He's going to reign. It's a good thing. Right. He's going to cut down the Antichrist. Right? He's going to defeat the armies of the world at, at Armageddon. He's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem. He's going to reign for a thousand years uh, physically, literally, bodily, for a thousand years from Jerusalem. And we're going to rule and reign with him. Amen? And I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it is going to happen. Jesus is going to take over. And uh, there's nothing that this world can do about it. They're not going to stop him. And the signs are all around us, Right? We've been talking about, we're looking at this on a day-to-day basis. We can see the, this movement towards a one-world government. We can see this movement towards a one-world currency. We can see a movement towards a one-world religion. Do you know what they built in Abu Dhabi? Do you know what they have already built? They, they, have, they have built a, 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 a religious center that they call the Abrahamic Family House. Have you seen what that is? On this one piece of property in Abu Dhabi, there is a Jewish synagogue that points towards Jerusalem. There is a Muslim mosque that points towards Mecca. And there is a Christian, quote, it's Catholic, church that is pointing towards the east. And they call this the Abrahamic family house. A Newsweek article wrote about this back in 2019, I believe it was. And they said, tensions are high in the Middle East. But there's hope. What did they think was the hope? They believed that there's a one world religion coming on, that we're all going to be able to get along, and we're all going to live in peace someday. And listen, who, to them, who's going to bring it in? Well, it's not us radicals, right? right? No, somebody's going to come along. Somebody's coming along and is going to bring all of the religions of the world together, and there's going to be a semblance of peace. The Abrahamic family house. Why? Because they believe all three of those share, of course, a, a relationship to Abraham. We're watching the world come together. We're watching war in the Middle East. 
We're watching Russia and China and Iran come together. We're watching, we're watching Saudi Arabia back away again from Israel and begin to deal now with Iran again. Watch, we're looking for a world leader to bring peace. We're at the end, people. We are at the end. Yeah. America's losing its position in the world. Friend, we're not in, we're not in prophecy. We're not in prophecy. Now, some have said, some have said if in, the, in the eyes of Europe, you know, we're just Europe across the pond. And uh, we'll kind of sweep right in with where, where Europe goes. And it's, it's highly possible, right? Russia and China, they're getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. Putin, Putin wants to see the old Russian complex all come back together, right? Gog, Magog. I mean, listen, it's all, it is all, it's all coming together. And here Israel is back in the land. This wouldn't have been possible. Do you know Israelites, for some unknown reason, when I was there in Israel, uh, the tour guide, he went back to Israel in 1976, didn't know why he wanted to, but he did. And he, he tells you that there's people coming back to Israel from all over the world and because they just want to. There, there's going to be a great end gathering. God said he's going to bring them from the four quarters of the world and he's going to bring them back into the land. Listen, 75 years ago that wasn't possible because they didn't have a dedicated land. And now they do. People say, well, it was, wasn't theirs. Um, come on. How do, why, does the world know, why does the world know what Jerusalem stands for? Why do they hate it so much? Because of what it stands for. Where was David? Ro, ro, I mean, come on. This is, it's ridiculous. Yeah. What am I saying? The end is near. The end is near. Jesus is coming. What does that mean, though? Judgment's on its way. The door of the ark is getting ready to close and judgment's coming. I want you to notice Matthew 24, our responsibility. Remember Noah? Remember that guy? <laughs> Jesus is going to mention him here in Matthew 24. Look what he says about him in Matthew 24. Notice this. Look at verse 36. Of chapter 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. What's he talking about when he returns for, the millennial, for his millennial reign? The second coming of Jesus, when he comes bodily, watch, as the Son of Man. What is that? That's a bodily form, not spiritual. There is no spiritual return of Jesus, right? He's coming bodily, amen. And look at verse 38. For as in the days that were before the flood... They were eating and drinking and burying and giving in marriage. And how many, have heard, how many have heard messages from here about the evils of eating and drinking and marrying? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. Anyway, until the day that Noe entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus is telling his disciples the last days, the end of time, it is going to hold a, a similarity to the last days of Noah. What is going to, what's it going to look like? Eating, drinking, getting married, giving your daughters in marriage. You say, what is the spiritual significance of that? Nothing. 
They're just living life on a day-to-day basis with no concern, with no thought process, with no looking, with no watching for what is coming. They're just living life. Boy, I'm telling you what, there's a lot of Christians that are just living life. They're just living life like there's, there's, no, like there's no judgment coming, like there's nothing that's, like the world isn't even going to hell, uh, you know, and on their way to a, a Christless hell, they're just getting up and going to work and eating their meals and doing this and doing that and watching a uh, 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 lost person after lost person after lost person pass before their eyes without any, and in, without any concern whatsoever where their eternal condition is and where, where they're going to spend eternity. Jesus said, this is, this is what the last days look like. Just carrying on. Just carrying on like every other day. Watch this. They, they, they never see it coming. Right? Isn't it amazing that in Noah's day, this massive ark, I haven't been to Kentucky, I haven't seen the ark. I've seen pictures, looks pretty big. Could you imagine that Noah's day and age, having to see that thing for 120 years? Watch, and get numb to it. They had to get numb to it. Yeah. Christians get numb to church. You have a big day, and it, ah! four weeks later, huh? Why? Just get, you know, it's, it's same old, same old, right? Just another meal. <laughs> right? Just biscuits and gravy again. <laughs> No, no, the, Jesus said this is what in, this is indicative of the end times. Just carrying on without any concern whatsoever of the judgment that is coming. But this shouldn't be the mark of a child of God. Jesus gives us two things here in this passage to help us. Two things that we are to be doing while we wait for the end to come. Notice verse 42. I'm almost done. I hope. Verse 42. Watch, therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Watch. It means, you know what watch means? Alan, you know, don't you? It means to watch. To watch. Not not just watch like we're watching, but watching, watch this. Imagine, I don't know why this weird thing's coming to my head like this. Imagine you get to go, go on a tour of a prison. And they take you on a tour of max security. And they take you on a tour while they're all out, you know, in their playing their games at, at their outdoor recess when they get recess, you know. <laughs> How would you walk through that prison? I mean, these are murderers. These are guys, that, I mean, their eyes are hollow. They could kill you in a second. Not, wh- wh- how would you walk through there? How, how do those gar- guards live? I, 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 we had a friend went to church with. He was 20 years at the, at the prison in Springfield, at the, at the medical center. And he said, I, I can't wait for the day that I just don't look over my shoulder anymore. And it probably will never be because he spent 20 years watching Everywhere he went, watching. What is he doing? He's expectant of something to happen. He's watching. Could you imagine if you got the news report, you live by a prison and the news says, we have an escaped inmate. 
he is down by Kelby Creek. <laughs> I know somebody who's going to be watching. Mrs. Davidson, right? You're going to be watching. You're going to be looking out the window. You're going to be driving your husband crazy, right? You're going to make sure he goes out and watches. Get out there and watch. Watch. What are you doing? You're watching, watch, expecting something to happen. Why? So you don't get taken by surprise. Why don't you want to be taken by surprise? Well, I don't know. Look at verse 45 and 46. He's, he's, well, look at verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Why do you want to be ready? Look at verse 45. He's talking to believers, not unbelievers. Look at verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat and due season? How do you, listen, how do you define who a faithful servant is in your house? Look at verse 46. Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. So what does it mean to watch? How, how does a child of God watch? Why are we watching for the Lord to come? We're watching, watch, so we will stay working. We're watching, we're expectant, we're looking for the Lord to come. Why? Because we have a job to do. Judgment's coming, like Noah's day. He had 120 years to get this boat built. Could you imagine God saying, oh, okay, I'll give you another year. You're not quite done. No, he got it all finished in the allotted time as well. Do you know you and I are having a lot of time on this planet to get our, the work done that God has given us to do? Paul got to the end of his days, as I read earlier, and he said, I've finished the work that thou hast given me to do. Do you know it is possible for many of God's children to leave this planet never finishing what God gave them to do? You know what God calls that? An unfaithful servant. No, judgment's coming. We're living at the end, right? And not only are we at the end of the world, but some of us are trucking along through the, our, the years of our own existence on this planet. Yeah. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not 18 anymore. Yeah. Is there anybody in here? No. A <laughs> couple. Who then is a faithful watch? And wise servant, Jesus asks. Who is the faithful servant? Right? The one, the one who when, the servant, when his master comes, he finds him doing what he was given to do. I think we should resurrect in our mind again the thought, watch, and the shame and the fear of God showing up someday and us being somewhere we ought not be. And I, you can fill in your own list. I'm not giving you a list. Yeah. How about just this? How about just doing what we're not supposed to be doing? How about this? Not just, how about just uh, let me say it this way. Not accomplishing what he's given us to accomplish. Just Meandering through life, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, without a thought that the end is coming, while the world is passing before us, and we have the truth of the gospel to give them. That's an unfaithful servant. Blessed is that servant. Watch this. Happy is that servant. Contented is that servant. Whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. You know what I want to be doing when the Lord comes? If I'm physically capable, 
preaching the Word of God. Telling people about Jesus. I don't know what you're doing. Teaching a Sunday school class. Passing out tracts. Faithful to the house of God. Faithful to the preaching of, of the Word of God. Faithful to, to seeking, seeking the lost. No, that'd be a great thing. You, 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 know, you know what the Bible says? You know, when he says, uh, you know, when he, back when he says, uh, ask for the old paths, right? And walk therein, and therein, therein shall you find rest for your souls. You know my, why so many believers are so out of rest and, and just so un, unhappy and just have no joy in their life? They're just not doing what they're supposed to do. And it's not complicated. God didn't call everybody to preach, right? God didn't call, but he's given us something basic to do. And the point of it is, while we're waiting for the end, while we're watching that judgment is coming, while we're, we are watching the world not fall apart, but fall, to, fall into place for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, while we sit and wait, hey, what would make you happiest, right, is if you'd be watching and waiting, watch, and working and what God has given you to do. I think Jesus said it this way, didn't he? Occupy till I come. Occupy. What do we do while the world is going crazy? Just finish what God's given us to do. Just keep doing it. Right? You have people you work with. You have people that God allows you to have a conversation with on a daily basis. You have people in a neighborhood. You, there, there are things to do. I mean, there are, there are, there, there are uh, uh, you know, let me say this. It is a work to live a separated and a holy life, which is well-pleasing unto God. We've been given a work. We've been told to watch. Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel baptizing them, and then what? Teaching them. Sadly, there's many that aren't watching. I mean, no, the events of the week have got everybody watching. But what about when it all dies down for a little while? We just get right back into the... What what happens when we get used to it? How, How long did it take to get used to Ukraine getting bombed by Russia and overrun? What, about two weeks? We're done with that. Oh, there's a war over there? Forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, side note. Did you know when that war broke out with Russia that, uh, that El Al, the, the airline of Israel sent an airplane to, to, to Ukraine and about 1,300, 1,300, uh, several airplanes, 1,300 Jews were brought out of Ukraine to Israel. It's <laughs> one way to get them back into the land, huh? Yeah. No, we're going to get, it's, the possibility is you're going to get numb again. And just carry on with life. Jesus is telling us to his servants, that's who we are. He's telling us to stay alert. Watch. Look for him to come. Look for him. And work. And work. Be busy when he comes. Not just riding it out, right? Not just going off into a cave and going into the mountains, getting away from it all. Oh, we'll just wait for, wait for him to come in. Nothing left to do. No, there's a lot to do. There absolutely is. Yeah. So let me ask you this morning, are you watching? I know it's easy now. It's one, and listen, and it's one thing to watch the news and the events of the day. It's another, it's another thing. I mean, we know he's coming. It's another thing to live a life 
watching of expectant of his return. Yeah, we're going to see him. I don't know about you. When I spend time meditating on that, I tell you what, there's a lot of joy there. We're going to see him very soon. Very soon. He's coming. Are you watching? He's coming. Are you working? Are you working? Let me ask you this. Number three, he's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? I look over this crowd here this morning, and I assume most everybody in here is born again. I don't know that to be true, because I don't know hearts. Only God knows. But maybe the Holy Spirit of God is dealing in your heart. And you know in the depths of your soul, when you think of the coming of Christ, there's a little bit of a terror that's there. You don't like thinking of His coming. You don't like meditating upon it. Because way in the depths of your soul, you're not sure of what's going to happen to you when He comes. Get that settled today. Today. You're watching online and you don't know. I'm telling you, he's coming. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Are you watching? Are you working? Our Father, thank you this morning. I love it. Even in times, Lord, even in times that are just upheaval. And we see things coming together. There's excitement, but there's fear. You even give us direction for these times as well. Because you know your sheep. And you know how scattered we can become. And I'm so thankful that you've given us direction. Help us, Father, to live lives on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis, expecting you to return. And in that expectation out of that expectation would flow a life that is, that is diligent and intentional about fulfilling the job that you've given us to do. Lord, that we'd find that joy there that you have for us. And Lord, that we'd live that expectant life with the desire that when you return, you will find us doing exactly what you've wanted us to do. What a joy that's going to be. Lord, we know you go on to to explain a judgment that's coming, and we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will give an account. And so, Father, help us to live lives, watchful lives, while you bring everything together and bring it all all together as, as you've determined to do. We thank you for that. Help us to be busy about seeking the lost. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The instrument is going to play, and I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you. Are you watching? Are you living a life watching for the coming of the Lord Jesus? Are you busy about the work that he's given you to do? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe, maybe somebody could raise a hand and say, you know what, I, I, I want to be busy, I, I, I do, but i got to be honest. I know there's a lot more I could be doing that I just have chosen not to do. And I, 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 don't, I don't want to stay there, but I know that's where I've been. I need to do more. I know I can do more. God's given me ability to do more. Anybody like that? Raise a hand. I said, oh, I've not been where I ought to be. Yeah. Would you ask the Lord to help you in that today? He will.
He absolutely will. We're at the end. We're at the end. Are you watching? Are you working? Or are you just sitting around waiting? (laughs) Running down the clock. Snapping the football and taking a knee every play. God help us. If we haven't been watching and we haven't been working, may God help us to turn that corner today and get back, get back to that in our life. All right, we'll see you tonight at six o'clock, uh, our evening service. If you notice in your bulletin, I also put in there we'll be starting in November. We'll be starting the discipleship. I would encourage. I'd encourage everybody to come to the discipleship class. If you've gone through it before and you have all of your books from that, uh, bring them back and good, always good to have a refresher. And uh, to be ready, number one, to be ready to give every minute an answer, the hope which lies within you, right? And to be ready to, uh, uh, to uh, um, be used to uh, disciple those that come along and get saved. And uh, you need to be used that way. So I would that you'd come if you've... Never been before, please come. We've got books, all the little booklets and that you get to fill out and you get to keep. And it's uh, just a nice atmosphere, pretty casual and uh, pretty open for them. So uh, th- those will be starting in November. So, right? Yeah, all the world, preach gospel, baptize, teach. Got to teach. So, okay, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. And uh, I do hope you have a good afternoon. Brother Bob Healy. Brother Bob, would you close us in prayer this morning?